What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Patio Slave podcast. The year is 2022. The podcast is Patio Slave. The episode is 95. Gentlemen, what is going on? Back at it. New year, fresh nerdery, and a fresh website thanks to Tuan. He's been working diligently behind the scenes to put together a comprehensive nerd website. Makes us look super badass. So thanks to Tuan. It's kind of like a nerdery Christmas present for me. So doing well, man. How, How are you guys? I'm great, man. Tuan, I really, yeah, we really appreciate you. When we talk about nerdery here, we talk about us being nerds. Tuan really is a nerd. Like oh, he went on time. the he went on and like went behind under the hood on the website and like was changing things that I have no no clue what he's talking about. I'm like, sweet, man, it looks awesome. <laughs> so uh shouts to Tuan for doing all that legwork because the the website's great. So go check it out, patioslave.com. New and improved, plenty of things to nerd out about there. Check our uh you know, interviews, there's a tab for about us, there's a tab for our press, there's all kinds of cool stuff. There's a way to contact us. I mean, hit it up, man. There's plenty of cool things there. <laughs> Full disclosure, very template driven. There is some uh, you know, HTML wizardry behind the scenes, but it's pretty much template driven. So uh <laughs> not I, you're not a nerd, is that what you're saying? I am <laughs> I'm an imposter. Yeah. I'm an imposter nerd. Just like music <laughs> nerd, I'm an imposter. Oh no. I exposed myself with the Kings of Leon. I, th- I thought they were from the UK, didn't I? <laughs> that's true and our listenership oh, yeah, fucking <laughs> declined significantly when i yeah no it's 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 done well in fact it's done really well this past week what happened what happened this week we had brian fair brian fair shadows fall overcast 90s og as nate says yep and uh the episode is crushed people love it the feedback's great we had a fucking blast and that's really the most important thing i mean we were laughing like school kids the whole time yeah and the timing was perfect because it was kind of like a hometown show like got our uh og brian fair from shadows fall massachusetts band on to kind of you know close the year with us on the podcast so that was yeah super cool and especially i mean what was it like two or three episodes before talking about the show that i worked in portland the small i guess known as the ceiling show according to brian so it all came full circle so it was, it was a good great way to close out the year i really like the lesson here is put it out there put it out there and maybe things will happen exactly. Yeah, and also be good at it. I mean, there's, there's some of that too. No, I'm just kidding. We we've been super blessed to talk to a bunch of different people, and we're excited for the start of a new year, and to hopefully have more of that stuff. Right? I mean, we're gonna keep grinding. We're gonna keep trying to get guests on and uh, talk about the stuff that we we know and love over the years here. So, welcome to 2022, Potty Slave, bigger and better. Here we come. And you know what? If if you're back because last week was your first episode, thank you so much. I mean, we don't get a killer interview like Brian every week or interviews in general every week. There's a lot of original content, a lot of OG content, music commentary, us just riffing. But we do even in uh, interviews, what, every, I'd say probably every third episode. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we get, we get some big things under the hood uh, that we're, that we're cooking up here for 2022. Yeah. And uh, a couple weeks from now, this is dropping January 3rd. So January, I think January 18th, hopefully, I don't know. Uh, but it, later in January, you're going to see, uh, I guessed it on Playlist Wars. So we had Brian on way back, episode 84, I think. And uh, they returned the favor. And I went on and I talked Green Day with them. So uh, really fun concept, really fun format. Those guys kick ass, uh, Brian and, and Gomez. Uh, so if you want to listen to me, but in a different way, do that. And they want to have you guys on too. They did mention that to me pre and post. They're excited to get have all three of us on at some point. So look for that in the near future. Hey, we're here for it. I know I am. Um, Very cool. I think we're pretty versatile that we can really talk about pretty much anything. But uh, 
Although Green Day would have been fun, but fucking hard. So I'm, I even obviously haven't it listened to the episode. Hard. So I don't know, you know, where you landed with it, but I'm, I'm curious. I'll vote for you. <laughs> yes, we gotta we gotta take the first ever uh, Plus Wars slash Patio Slave battle down, right? I mean, yeah. go vote for Tony if you're listening to this in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you're gaming the system. No, you were sending us some things in the uh, group text, and it, yeah, I was like, man, it's like you're cramming for a big final. Like, ah, man, I feel for you. You know, it's a tough tough decision to kind of round it down to a few songs. And those guys do it every week, so that I mean, imagine trying to do that every week. Like, Ooh, pick a stress. Yeah, and then like you're not you're not sure if you're coming or going out of the way we do it sometimes we've had a couple of uh, episodes to record in the same week and it's like are we doing green day right now or are we doing another band like i don't even know and then you're yeah. <laughs> you're mixing up you know anything can happen so that's that's not easy and, and you're right Nate. it felt like a test but i think i passed i think i passed nice and nerd stress really isn't that stressful at the end of the no, day like exactly. life problems are pretty substantial and then nerd problems are like fuck i gotta cram for the green day test not a big deal so if you're listening flood the box flood the ballot box support the scan tony (laughs) playlist wars podcast party of slave one playlist war zero now we're all friends we don't we're hoping we're hoping (laughs) a couple weeks from now we'll find out all right gentlemen i think that uh that concludes a little roundup here so we're gonna get into uh something a little special right kick off 2022 tony you came up with an idea for this episode which is what we're going to uh, most anticipated, most look forward to kind of semi-predictions here and there too, uh, things that we're going to see in 2022 in the music industry, whether it be albums that are going to be released uh, or, you know, what might happen to the concert world, who knows, any of that stuff. So uh, we each have a, a couple things to talk about. You know, we might have me do an album and then Twan has a prediction about live music and Nate has a conspiracy theory. You never know with us. It could be any of that stuff. Wow, you so, know yeah. us really well. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, 95 of these and 25 years on top of that, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it could be anything. So we'll uh, we'll get into it now. I don't know who wants to lead off. Who wants to, if we want to lead off with an album, we want to lead off with a conspiracy theory. I don't know. What do we want to do? All right, I'm jumping in. I'm, I'm jumping in head first. Perfect. I'm, I'm going to set this episode <laughs> on fire here. I think in 2022... I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how it's going to come together. I don't know if there's going to be action taken or just a narrative, but I feel like there's going to be a Wall Street Bats-esque music industry revolt slash disruption. So a little context, Wall Street Bats was a subreddit that got a lot of attention this year when they kind of banded together and took down all the institutional investors and you know they burned all the short sellers and you know, took all the stocks to the moon. I think with this climate where touring is up in the air, the Spotify's of the world, they're taking all the money. I think at the creative, from the creative perspective, so the artist perspective, there's going to be some uprising, whether it's banding together in a, like a union type of way and just pulling stuff off the big platforms and, you know, pursuing NFTs or anything where they can take the power back. I haven't fully thought it through. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think you're going to see that that it, it will be a narrative, whether it's action taken or just chatter. It's already started. You know, own your masters. We're putting out NFTs. We're getting that bag. But I think this is the year where, you know, like the Daniel X of the world, like they're just they're too rich. The creatives are going to take it back. What do we think, gentlemen? I like it. And actually somewhat crossed my mind, as you'd mentioned, didn't quite have uh, a moment to really 
get it down on paper with where I stand personally. And I think it's a pretty complicated matter, right? Because you're looking at contracts, you're looking at album deals, they might be on their third cycle out of a six album contract, like it's hard to just jump ship and you're looking at, you know, legal paperwork to to exit. So um, there's a lot of variables at play here, but I understand where you're going. I definitely see where you're seeing the breadcrumbs lead to this kind of conclusion. And if there's any time for it to to go down, it would be 2022 because we're looking at not the tail end of the pandemic, but definitely a different phase. And after kind of a two-year shutdown with lost revenues and sitting around and waiting for the man, this whole industry has blossomed into a new direction, which is very much personalized. Like like you said, owning your own masters or putting out NFTs or a lot of direct-to-consumer type commerce, whether it be merchandise or you know just music in general. So I can kind of see where you're where you're at with this. I think I agree. I think I need to think on it more, but I think I understand where your head's Hearing both of you talk just now, what you're saying, Tuan, is going to happen in some form or fashion. I think the the nice piece here is that it's your independent artists that can maybe band together. Yes. Whereas Nate was saying your mid-major to major artists that are signed to deals with whether it be you know, big labels or your Spotify's or your Apple Music's of the world, that might be a little bit more difficult for them to get out of that stuff until it's over. And they may not want things to change because they're the ones being put on all the playlists. They're the ones front and center on all the streaming services because and they're making money hand over fist that way. But those indie label, indie records, indie artists are having a tougher time with that because it's hard for them to get seen sometimes, similar to us as podcasts. It's hard for you to get seen uh, in a world where you're not being pumped up by the big dog. So there needs to be something to change that because there's a lot of good stuff out there that's not seen. And uh, it should be. I mean, hell, we know of we've talked to artists that didn't get their due uh, over the course of the time that we've had this going. So I I think you're right. I think we'll see something like that where the little guy kind of shakes their fist together at the big guy. And the big guy says, "Okay, we got to change something because this isn't tenable. I agree. And, and not like in that Wall Street Bets example, like someone like Drake, he's he's in bed with the institutional investors in that scenario. So, yeah, he they totally. oh, they want to ride that wave. They don't want anything to change. But I think that you're right. It's the independent guys that just getting squeezed. I think it was Toby McAllister, our one of our previous guests. He was like, every 250 spins gets me a dollar. And it's like, well, God damn, you gotta get a lot of spins to make a living that way and i know that's not the only revenue stream you know he plays out live and he's got merch and stuff but and that's just one you know dsp but damn it's an uphill battle and he he, it's funny you mentioned him because i was thinking of him for a different reason he tweeted something out asking how somebody gets on a playlist like who do i have to who do i have to yell at or or email it nicely put me on this playlist like i fit here because he's smaller indie by himself right now that's hard to do. So, you know, the the thing that I'm seeing more and more, if you're following an indie artist, you like an indie artist, go follow them on whatever DSP you use just to kind of help them out a little bit. And then buy, buy their merch, see them live when you can. Uh, you know, when that stuff does happen, you should definitely do it. So uh, I, I think that's the way to help those folks so they don't go away. And that class has certainly shrunk during the pandemic. We don't want to lose more of them. So, you know, put some money towards them. Taylor Swift will be okay tomorrow. Drake will be okay tomorrow. Kanye will be okay tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that said, there's also another element to that too, right? So 
you're talking about physical goods or any kind of way to support the band on a tangible and good, well, that's also being squeezed, right? We had talked about it a little bit a few episodes ago on someone like Adele that's squeezing out vinyl press in favor of her newest release, whereas legacy artists, whether it's independent or major market, or sorry, major label artists are kind of getting, I don't know, pushed aside. Their lead times are getting extended in favor of arguably one of the biggest artists of all time, which is Adele. So even supporting the artist in the traditional sense is, you know, kind of in arms right now with the whole supply chain. So it just, it gets really complicated really easily. Well, and I want the, in that situation, I want those indie labels, your, your pure noises and whatever to be like, Hey, we need to band together because this can't, this can't happen. I know it's Christmas. Oh, I know we we need to pr- press a million Adele records. I didn't get one for Christmas. I'm bombed. No, I'm just kidding. I would rather have had 15 different smaller artists that I like be able to press stuff in the next six months than all of those Adele records that are undoubtedly still sitting at Walmart. So that can't happen again. That's not even if projections are big, have it be a little scarce. They'll they'll be able to do another run at some point. Like we're not reinventing the wheel with Adele here, but for some of those other smaller indie record labels, indie artists. That's tough, man. Like their livelihood is me, Nate, Anthony buying their merch, their, their pre-orders when they go live. And if their pre-order can't go, it goes live in November for a record in June and they may not get it. That's not good. That's bad for the music industry as a whole. And then what they could do and what they should do is, is they on the supply side control the supply and then they'll increase demand. So then you have two runs, you know, rather than 500,000 out of the gate, do a first press of 250, 200, you know, and then there's a demand for that. And then there's a second press, but I don't know what I'd love to hear is like from listeners, I'd love to hear like what ways you think this could be realized, whether it's hashtag fuck Spotify or anything like that, where there's just a banding together to kind of destroy the big guy. You know, we've talked about a few ways, but I'd love to hear from the listeners. So that's my first one. Hopefully that's a bang. That's a good one. Could be a fizzle out. Who knows? No, it's I like bang. that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to throw an album at us. Let's just, let's see uh, an album that's coming out this year that we probably are all, or maybe coming out this year that we're all kind of excited about. Could there be a new Slipknot? They've been working on it, right? I think Corey confirmed it. Okay. Yeah. And I thought that there was, there was some legitimate buzz around that, like maybe even a month, month and a half ago. So um, I'm hoping we see that before the summer so that maybe we can see them on tour this summer. Cause that's going to be the, probably the most, the safest way to do that uh, right now is have them outside at a big venue, not fest style, you know, go around the country and play amphitheaters and do that stuff. So new Slipknot, that's the most anticipated, most exciting thing for me coming up here in 2021. I'm, I'm ready for that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one, especially because they dropped the album, I guess, was it in the middle of the pandemic? No, it was, it was the fall of 19. I thought the same thing. 19. Nate, okay. did. It came out in August of 19, I think, right? We are not your kind. Yes, exactly. But I'm thinking more of the promotional aspect of, you know, making that album come to full circle. So obviously that includes touring, which was put on halt during the pandemic, uh, at least in 2020. They returned in uh, 2021 here. I know they played a show in LA that I was trying to get to kind of select small shows. The whole, I think it was called the uh, Not Fast Roadshow. So I guess, yeah, they, I guess they utilized the downtime to, to straight up write a whole new album, which is I'd love to get their take on that. Like they barely got to promote the the last cycle. Hey, might as well. We have all these ideas. I guess we'll just put out another album. So there's only so many bands that can do that. And Slipknot's definitely one of them. 
I would love to get their take on that too. Corey, the DMs are open. Oh, for sure. <laughs> hey, and, and we've interviewed and talked to people that know him. So let's if yeah. if those folks are listening, let, let's make this happen. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw today, I think, Corey was on some media outlet or I don't know where it was, but he said basically uh, the plan is in the spring, new Slipknot album. Nice. Because they released that song, Chapel Town Rag, which to me was a throwback. It reminded me of almost self-titled era. Mm, yep. Yeah. I think it had heavy on DJ elements and, you know, was heavy and had melody. I mean, that's their playbook. And it, it, it was a throwback. And I think I feel like reading online that's the kind of vibe that people got was more self-titled than i don't know subliminal verses for example right yeah okay, i mean I'm, sure. I'm here for that yeah it was great yeah timing wise perfect too and we're looking at i guess 22 years back in terms in terms of uh retrospective for slipknot 23 i guess if you say 99 so yeah i mean for them to capitalize on that is is proper you know go back to your roots capture the nostalgia 23 years ago and you got your old fans and you got your new fans because i think anyone can uh appreciate some heavy music right now at least i can so yeah totally and you're right i mean the nostalgia play is big across all music at the moment huge uh, and all things not even just music i mean we just got a new yeah. matrix movie we just you know there's all kinds of stuff out there that uh another spider-man with three of the people playing Spider-Man, like it's just nostalgia everywhere. So uh, that's, I guess that's our generation eating that stuff up, but <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Give us another slipknot. That sounds like something from 25 years ago. But I mean, they are universal. I mean, we like go back to last week. I mean, they took out some heavy ass bands and you heard it from Brian. He said they were still playing some brutal stuff during the subliminal versus day, you know? So if you're from that crowd or you're more on the new metal side, there's something there for you. And I think, uh, I don't know. I, I saw them on the Knotfest show in 2019, the Knotfest Road Show in Massachusetts. They were great. They were awesome. They still bring it. And I would go back. <laughs> I'll go. I'd go back this year. Yeah. Nate, my man, hit us with it. What you got? And well, it's funny because I got you know a bunch of things lined up here, and they both kind of play into both of what you're saying. But I'm going to resort to this first one, kind of springboarding on what you just said, and it's touring uh, for 20. 22. I think touring is going to make a comeback. Here's my timeline. So you're looking at 2020 shutdown. Nothing's happening. Show production and touring is essentially at a halt. You know, we all saw that as fans internally tours being canceled, rerouted for 2021. That was even kind of shake up of a shake up. So I'm looking at springtime as a beta for 2021 as there were some soft shows. I saw a few shows bring into summer and even into this fall but pretty scarce for the most part. I mean, I was able to see everything I wanted to see just for the lack of shows in general and tours in general, whether things were rerouted for 2022, let alone 2021. So there's a lot of that going on. So I see it as like the beta phase, soft opening, as you will, for the touring industry to make a return. So I feel like 2022, in particular, late spring going into summer is really when we're going to see things kind of return to form. And I'm taking a lot of clues based on festival lineups, a lot of Instagram uh, notes on, you know, new albums, promotion, kind of all correlating to that same time frame, which is late spring, early summer. And I think it has a lot to do with what we're looking at on the pandemic, right? We're looking at a whole new wave here. So winter is essentially maybe not another shutdown, but definitely a pause on big tours. And everyone knows that summer's the time to see shows anyway, especially outdoors. So 
I think we're looking at just a, a soft phase opening for the live music scene. And it's, it's played out primarily in a not half capacity, but just lack of shows in general. So I'd say my kind of foresight on what we're seeing in 2022 is a return to normal or return to form come, you know, Q2 into Q3 of 2022. I actually have kind of an opposite thought. I, I think we're probably headed in the wrong, in the opposite direction. And it kind okay. of feeds into a, my next, you know, thing I'm anticipating or prediction, which I'll hold off for now. But I think I'm just seeing the writing on the wall right now. Everything's getting canceled and it could be this wave, you know, everyone's indoors. It's, it's winter, you know, new strain, new variant, et cetera. But who's to say this is the last one? You know, are we going to do this all over again? Who knows? I, I, I feel like we're leaning more towards that direction of cancellations and apprehension than diving in to say, hey, you know, we have every reason to think this year will be better than the last. Actually, that's that's an indirect tease to the point I'm going to make here in a, in a few minutes. But I don't know. I, my gut and impulse tells me it's going to be a light summer. I think I agree with Nate. Think so? Yeah, I think we're. I think summer's gonna. Get, people are gonna go hard. Uh, the only thing that worries me is that we've had, especially some of the bigger acts, push music, right? I mean, even just at the start of 2020, Foo Fighters shelved uh, Medicine at Midnight and dropped it a full, almost a full year later. And like, how much of that changed? And how much of your like? And every time I die, we talked about them a couple weeks ago. Same thing, right? Like, mm. music that was mostly done. I don't know how much they changed in between having it ready to go in early 2020 to shelving it till when it dropped. But that worries me a little bit. But the other piece there is like, they, it's the only way they're going to make any money and outdoors. The more we know about it, the the less we're worried about it outdoors. I mean, we were at some pretty big outdoor shows this summer that didn't seem to be any sort of issue. So I'm optimistic that we see a fairly normal outdoor touring cycle this summer. Yeah. If there's the space, yeah. I there should be no reason why it can't happen outside if there's space and the, you know, you're willing to go and yeah. the band's willing to be there. I think uh, you both have valid points. What tone highlighted is what I'm seeing out here on the West coast. And I think that is an extra variable as I'm in a, a climate that is conducive to outdoor shows 12 months out of the year. Right. So it's not, there's never really any reason to shut down. You know, the shows are out here all the time, December, January of, the year has no hinder on on live shows whatsoever. So Hinder's not going to play your hometown. Come on, I want to see Hinder. <laughs> Was it Let's lips of an, lips of an angel? Lips of an angel, lips baby. Of, it's, a great an angel. it's a great stripper song. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Nate. Creed light. No, Creed light. To get back on the tracks, I think that is kind of the the luxury of living in in this market is seeing a little bit of the future because it is very prominent here with the music industry in Southern California. So you kind of see things roll out beta here. So Pearl Jam, for instance, that I have the whole, what, six shows lined up. I have tickets that have been postponed <laughs> for two this years. This is amazing. This is amazing. Cause we talked about Pearl Jam episode what three. Oh yeah. <laughs> when when Gigerson came out and, and we're still, Nate had tickets to all that stuff then. And it's still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're into 2022 now and we're, you still have them. They haven't happened. It's fucking wild. Has the value gone up? I I don't know. That's a good point. But well, actually no, they're fan to fan tickets. So I can't even resell them at a, a premium, even if I wanted to, not that I want to do that, but uh, I, I think that might be at my cheat code is I get the insight from the Pearl Jam management, which is extremely diligent on doing the right thing. 
and um, the tour was announced to be rescheduled for May 2022. So there's a little, that's kind of where I'm leaning is like, all right, late spring into summer is based on Pearl Jam's management, which is they're not going to take any risks. They, you know, they have, they own their own touring. They own essentially their own business with the exception of, um, you know, the distribution and, and venues, Live Nation. So that's kind of the clue along with Coachella being rescheduled and ready to go off in April and a bunch of other things. So I, I get both points, but I, I think, yeah, we're looking at a slowdown come December or sorry, January of this where we're at now going into like March and then a big opening April or a light opening April and full swing July going forward, just based on these little clues. You have Pearl Jam's management, man. Like why haven't we gotten one of those guys yet? It's time. Stony, Stony, what are you doing, bro? It's 2022. <laughs> the time has come. Nate's been waiting for a show from you guys for three years. Although you did see Eddie, yeah. but uh, make it happen. The time is now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to dig my heels in here and give uh, one of my predictions, which kind of backs what I said earlier, which I think is we're going to take a step back. My angle here is the non-full-time bands are going to take a step back. And let's look at Thursday, for example. These are guys, which I'm making an assumption, have full-time jobs, have families who have to plan for this. And there, it looks like the writing's on the wall that they just canceled a couple shows. People in the band got COVID. They are doing a live stream to basically recoup the funds for canceled flights and everything. These are bands, and I'm not singling them out. I'm just using them as an example of bands that are not if at this 100%, they have full-time gigs, they have to plan time off. So there's going to be limited bands that are going to even be out, be willing to be out there. I mean, Thursday, after what happened recently, who knows if these other shows are going to happen, but do you think they're going to be eager to book a summer summer tour? No, that's a lot of planning. It's it's a lot of risk where bands that are full-time yeah, you know, that they're willing to take that risk cuz there's not, you know, it gets canceled and then they sell NFTs or something, you know? I think that's it's just too much planning and coordination that a lot of these bands can't pivot on a dime. And the counter to that is, well, there's a shitload of bands. Like, they'll be able to fill places. But I think there'll be that tier that just not willing to take that risk. Yeah, you're right. That that tier is constantly shrinking because of this, because of the pandemic and all that stuff. But, I mean... If they've got full-time jobs and if they want to do a, you know, three-month or, or even six-week tour down the road, they can go back to their jobs and come back to that when they feel like coming back to that. As long as they stay dedicated to that piece of it, they can still do it. It just may not happen right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dig my heels in and say well, maybe we see in April. <laughs> what you think they'll play in April? Yeah, maybe they go April to June, or maybe they go June to August. You know, who knows? Yeah. Using that band as an example, I don't know what they do, you know, outside of right. No, I mean, music. I mean maybe we're, specula they, we're speculating. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I hope for them they can go back to a gig. You know, they're able to pivot. But yeah, it's a good thing to highlight in terms of the separation on full time and non full time. Because when you're full time and you're in the system, give it Live Nation, Ticketmaster, a lot of those things at that level are paid out advances years in advance. So you're talking like you've already been paid for the show. You haven't even played yet. Kind of what we were talking about on the small time gigs that I was working with back in the day. But so small time or non full time, 
I feel like I need a little more insight to make a, a better estimate on you know how that works. But it seems like if it's not full-time and you have another full-time job and you can kind of go back to your legacy work kind of whenever you want, it's a different kind of luxury, but it is also based on bandwidth. Are you a teacher? So you have summers off, so you can book a summer tour and that's about it. Something like that. So I see where your head's at. Yeah. It also depends like what Brian and Shadows Fall did. Like that's that's one day. You know, they had still a lot of planning flights involved. Mm-hmm. That's a little more doable. A tour, like Thursday's tour, I don't know how many dates it is, but it's probably twenty twenty five. Like that's a commitment. So I don't know. I hope you guys are right for the sake of everyone. Obviously, if people are out there playing shows, we're in a better state with all this stuff and for the sake of the bands, they're out there you know, making money, which means they can come back again. We'll see what happens. It's a fine line, right? I mean, we're all worried. I know the three of us are worried about people not going to things and getting sick and having dire consequences because of that. And I know a lot of the band members we've talked to have said the same thing. Like, we don't want to be that. We don't want to be uh, the congregation that gets sick and everybody is, you know, you have bad consequences from, from gathering people together even if it's for a positive reason, like going to a concert, which we all, the three of us love and many other people do. So it's a fine line, but for some people it's their livelihood. Like that's where it's becomes difficult. I know we've talked to a handful of bands that if they don't play those shows or they don't sell that merch, then they're not going to, you know, they're not going to have, they're going to have a harder time putting food on the table. And that's, we don't want that. We definitely want them to be able to back get in with their parents at that point. Right, which is not ideal. I mean, especially if you've been doing it since you were a kid and you that's your skill and you're good at it. And we want you want to be out there in front of people because it's something that you excel at. But nobody had two and a half year pandemic in the mix. So it's tough, man. I we, we want all of it to be gone, obviously, but I'm hoping that hoping that we get through this winter and things become we, we know more about it. We can treat it a little differently and, you know, new ideas come forth that help us to get there. Get me to the show. Get me to the show. Tone, what you got? Hmm. What I really want to give you guys is the Four Seasons Weezer album idea, but (laughs) did you guys see that? (laughs) No. So Weezer has speculated four albums next year. The SZN season, uh, spring, summer, fall, and winter. (laughs) And I just thought it was funny and that we needed to talk about oh. it for a second because like we all we all have our moments with Weezer, I think. And I think the music fandom yeah. as a whole does, right? I mean, everybody has an opinion. And they keep they kind of keep their name on uh, on your lips, right? They find a way to weasel their way into conversation. Uh they're doing it right now, uh, by no fault of their own. I'm I'm excited about this, but not at the same time. Cause like I can't imagine that many songs are gonna be great. Are they like four four song EPs? Are they? I admittedly I didn't do a ton of research, but I just saw this pop up when I was looking at things that were coming out this year, and thought to myself, I don't have high hopes for this, but I want to because I do like them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, it's them. I think at this point, it's half troll on their part, half just a hobby, and not in that it, it, it's obviously a full time thing for them. I assume. But it works. We're talking about it. And actually, remember last week, or no, two weeks ago, when I was talking about the Teenage Wrist album, and I was like, there's a band that, there's a song that really sounds like a band I can't pinpoint for the 90s. It's Weezer. It's Weezer. So they're, by doing, again, nothing on their own, I would have been talking about them had I made the connection two weeks ago, because a band is jacking their stees. 
And then there's Rivers, who just is ri- I can't even say it with a straight face. He's just Rivers. And, and with Rivers that name, Rivers. it's them. This will probably happen, I guess, is the punchline. I bet this will happen. And I love the name. How can you not love that fucking name, Season? I I hate it, but <laughs> and that's an inside joke going way back from Twan and I. So, and this just brought up a whole entire episode case study on a band and how you operate because it's one of the few bands that I can think of top of mind that there's a great Neil Young quote from one of his songs like it's better to burn out than fade away. Well, Weezer is definitely not <laughs> fading away. They they just keep going, right? And a lot of it is confusing like you said is it a troll they're putting out albums for the sake of putting out albums and a lot of them are jokes and there's some corny album covers that are out there forever like do they represent the band in their truest form i don't think so if you have things like the blue album which is a bona fide staple for the music industry so it's a very interesting way to continue your career because they could just tour they could just be a legacy act off the blue album and call it a day but to continue to put out albums and I just don't understand if it's just to be top of mind or if it really is there's creative juices always going on that the band is like, yeah, let's put it on the record. Every quarter, let's put it on the record. It's like, I just, it's, it's very strange. I've, I don't think any other band does it at this cadence. Well, they, they put out two records last year, right? OK Human and Van Weezer. Uh, Van Weezer. And I, I liked some of OK Human. I liked some of Van Weezer. It's almost like put them together <laughs> like yeah. maybe hone some of these down and make them one record that is awesome the idea behind okay human was with a, an orchestra so i get that too but i don't know i just you're right it's like they're they're constantly wanting to be top of mind and you're the, the better to burn out than fade away they they've kind of done both <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. they they yeah. for me at least musically i think they've sort of burned out in spots and sort of faded away but at the same time they're still going and like they're still putting out songs that don't suck cuz i've liked some of the songs that have come out in the last 10 years i don't love them they're not blue album for me and I, it's funny you said blue album Nate and didn't say pinkerton we talked about pinkerton way back i don't even remember it must have been in the 40s or 50s and uh you guys both wrote for it and i think there are two really good weezer songs on it but it's disjointed. Then I, I, I'm a blue album mm. truther. So funny you didn't mention Pinkerton. <laughs> Maybe he's changed his mind. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Weezer's like the 38 f- year old NBA veteran that had a couple good seasons that everyone's just willing to take a flyer on. You know, they're not going to, they're, they're signed out of desperation. No one's <laughs> going to. Uh, so you're saying they're Joe Johnson? They're Joe, <laughs> they're Joe Celtics, Johnson. All you Celtics heads out there. <laughs> they're not going out of their way to sign the guy. Like he, he had a good season in the G League or the whatever the uh, the big the, three. The big three. What are the big three? And, and you know, and maybe that's Weezer. They had a good, you know, three song stretch off. I don't know. Name Hurley. Who knows? And that that's enough for everyone to be like, all right. Well, maybe they still got it. But now they're 50 and they're pumping out season, you know? Yep. Four of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good shit. Had to bring that one up. All right, Nate, what do you got, man? Well, that got my mind spinning in a lot of different ways because that is one way to do it. Just keep on, you know, putting out albums, whether you mean it or you don't. It's definitely not trying to fulfill any kind of album contract. They're just putting it out for the sake of putting it out. And they don't need the tour support because they're legacies. There's no real dependence on putting out albums at that site at that rate but um it is what it is like i said weezer is its own case study but every other band in the universe of nerdery 
has a different play. And I feel like this is going to catch on big in 2022. We've been kind of watching it unfold over time. I've been very attuned to it since it, not, I'm not going to say since it began, but I collect it, you know, so alcohol and music type collaborations is one. What I'm really alluding to is licensing. And I think we've talked about it on here quite a bit. I, I dropped the term licensee quite a bit throughout this uh, podcast legacy. And it's something that's becoming more apparent as we are looking at different tangible items and or just being stuck at home and watching Netflix and seeing music that you recognize or a poster on the wall in the back, which is like product placement type style. I think this is going to continue to be pumping up more and more. So alcohol's one music and bands kind of collaborating on what, whether it be limited releases, Deftones does one out here. I'm drinking one right now. Uh, we had Brian Fair, Shadows Fall. Even if it's small, it's localized. It moves units. And if you like music and you like alcohol, there's no reason why that will not sell. So there's that. Commercials, like I said, product placement, just selling your music in any way possible. If you own your music, we had Spose on here, you can kind of do whatever you want with it, right? So putting it in movies, games, sports, commercials. Like I said earlier, Netflix is just so dialed in right now with everyone's attention. So I feel like this opportunity has always been there, but it's never been fully capitalized on. I'm not really sure why. I think there was probably a sellout mantra for a while. Like, ah, if you do that, you're a sellout. Well, now it doesn't fucking matter because if you own your own music, this is how you make a living. And it's, if I was an artist, I would be doing it too. So. I agree. I I think there's a paradigm shift in that depending on what you do, it is not viewed at as a money grab. There's other things that you might do, which again, I'm going to tease my next, uh, my next anticipation here that are definitely money grabs and that's what it is. And that's when it's, it gets a little dicey, but yeah, this is the play, especially with the internet. I mean, there's so many avenues you can go down where you just slap your image on, you slap your logo, like the Deftones white pony, slap that on anything and it's going to sell. Yep. Weed, tequila, beer. And people love booze. Booze isn't going anywhere. (laughs) None of that's going anywhere. Now's the time. No, you're, you're absolutely right in, there are unexplored avenues of this too. That there's something that we don't even. I mean, NFTs are things we talked about, but there are other things that could be product placement that we haven't even thought of that we're going to start seeing. It makes me think of that scene in "I Love You, Man," where uh, the the real estate agent's trying to get Paul Rudd's character to like put his name on a urinal cake or whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you're like just be everywhere, be top of mind, be similar to what Weezer's done, be out in the uh, you know in the world and seen. At every turn, which, depending on the situation, can be annoying, and the artist can be annoying, but it can also be a way for some of these bands that we talked about earlier, the middle middle of the road bands, to kind of keep viable. Merch too, like t-shirts. I, why we haven't seen more of that? We are seeing it a little bit. Uh, people wearing them in different aspects of the world: hats, t-shirts, stuff like that, or having a cool poster on the wall in a dorm room in a movie, right? Like we, we need more of that stuff and we want that to be a little more prominently involved to get those, you know, middle of the road bands seen and, and, and on top of mind. So, Oh man, that's a cool Thursday poster. I'm going to, I'm going to go listen to that record again. I forgot all about it. Or, Hey, these guys just talked to Tucker rule of Thursday. I'm going to go listen to the uh, full collapse because I haven't in, uh, you know, 15 years, whatever. So that, that type of thing could happen more and more. I mean, even people like us, being a mouthpiece for somebody, stuff like that. Well, you remember when um, Coca-Cola put the names 
on the, on all the labels and people like oh, yeah. would seek out their names. Like why wouldn't, I don't know, any record label just like band together all their acts and just throw them on, you know, like if I was at a checkout and there's like a Mountain Dew or a Coke with uh, I don't know, Deftones or whatever, I'm going to grab the Deftones one. I, I am. And it works. They, they have their own thing going with the booze, but there's other avenues. I'm with you. McDonald's. McDonald's meal, like oh, the J Balvin right. meal and the Travis Scott uh, meal. And that's the, a great example. Shit like that. That more that's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean the world is open, right, for any kind of potential partnership. And a big proponent to this conclusion is the fact that a lot of people are selling their rights to their music. I think the most recent one I saw recent uh, recently was Bruce Springsteen selling his rights to to his catalog. So it just kind of plays into that conclusion like okay like bruce springsteen selling his rights to his music that's something i never would have bet on ever in my life but now it's 2020 or 2022 and what does selling the rights to your music actually mean well it definitely means more revenue than touring if you can't tour so not to take away from my other tangent earlier but <laughs> you know what i'm saying like selling your rights and actually and the licensee play is just infinite you can kind of do whatever the hell you want so that's a good point i mean Artists selling their full catalog, it's wild. And and Bruce being the, the most recent example that we saw, I was surprised by that. But at the same time, like he is, he's in his 70s, right? Or 71 or two or something like that. Yeah. Why not sell the catalog? Who, what the hell do you need it for in perpetuity if you're no longer around? Like sell it and give the money to your kids, you know, or, or whatever, right? Or set up a trust and save, have it work for you a little more than just random royalties coming in for you know, Jeep commercials, if that's what it gets used for. I mean, there was something to say with owning your own music was pretty, I don't know, it was holy grail for a while, right? It was like, oh, you own your own rights to your music. That's that's huge. But at the end of the day, if it's a gold bar sitting in a bank and you're not cashing in on it, it's not like it's adding. I mean, it might be accumulating value to an extent, but for the most part, it's just sitting there. It's unrealized. So, you know, you at some point it becomes a burden. If it's unrealized, it's just something that you're thinking about or you're paying to, for it to be protected or, you know what I mean? You're, you have a safety yeah. you know, deposit box or you have a safe or whatever. At some point, it becomes a burden. Yes, but if you're like 35 and you've put out 20 years of music and, and have a decent back catalog that is still in, in some sort of demand for whatever reason, or maybe even 50, and you've got a long way ahead of you and you're going to tour still and all that stuff, it pays to hang on to it for a little while longer. But if you're, you yeah. know, like the boss and, and uh, Bob Dylan did it last year too, I think. If you're their age, it's a little different. So this, actually, this is like two in a row where it's like a perfect segue. And I'll, I'll give my, uh, actually, this is the last one I had. I, I only had three. And this isn't a hot take. This is just, obviously, this is where the puck's going. 2022, music NFTs are going to rule, rule the world. And I think it's not for the best. And it's for two reasons. One is, if an artist goes like the super exclusive route, you know, small amount gets made, that means only a certain few fans are going to get them. So they're pissed off. So if I'm a fan, there's an NFT I want, I don't get it, I'm pissed. And then I'm pissed again when I go to buy it from the resale market and it's jacked up, right? And I know what you're thinking. This is this is what vinyl is, right? This is what vinyl is. It's pressing. Totally. Yep. But the variable here, which would add fans to be extra pissed, is... With NFTs, you can set up a royalty structure. And I know this because I bought a music NFT today. I bought Our Lady Piece of Spiritual Machines too. 
And how it works is you buy the NFT. Every change of hand, they get 10%. So if I bought it for 50 bucks, just say, and I sold it for 100, they would get 10 bucks off that 100. So imagine like that in the vinyl world. Every time on Discogs, vinyl changes hands, the Mm. band gets it back. So you can see how a fan would think this is a money grab sitch, right? So that's on if they're exclusive side. On the flip side, if these NFTs are mass produced, obviously the value is diluted. So as a fan, I might not see the value. And again, not everyone's looking at it from a value perspective. Some of them just want an album, you know, or they just want the artwork. But I don't think it's, I'm, I struggle to find the middle ground where the, the artist wins and not pissing off everyone. And I say that from experience because if you look on Twitter, Our Lady Peace, a lot of pissed off fans, you know, their payment wasn't accepted. There were certain states where this website wouldn't wow. accept payment from. It was just kind of a botch to roll out. Well, and there's going to be growing pains with the NFT stuff anyway, because it's all fairly new as far as being in the music space. Uh, the crypto world in general has blown up in the last 18 months, three years. But you know what I mean? It's It's been really big over the last year and a half. And I'm kind of with you. I'm a little concerned as to how this fleshes itself out and works so that people can still listen to the art because the art has always been kind of able to be gotten depending on how yep. you get it. Uh, but I, it's funny. We, Nate, you mentioned Spose. Uh, he's been doing like a Twitter morning show that I popped into a couple of times and they were talking about NFTs one morning and I, I came in like halfway through and they, they were like, Oh, you, you talk about music. Like I got a question for you. What, what do you think a song is worth? And I was like, shit, man, it really depends. Right. Like it could yeah. be worth a hundred dollars to me. And I want to listen to it, you know, a hundred times, but it could be worth, it's a song that maybe I don't like as much. I'm going to pay a hundred dollars for that. And you don't know that going into it either. Like we don't know if that Our Lady Peace record is going to be any good. Right. You know what I mean? So that's, it's a tough, it's a fine line to walk, especially with the way the industry has gone. I like the idea of the artists getting a cut every time their, their stuff's passed around a little more, especially for a smaller, smaller artist. I don't like it for a big one, but uh, it's it's an interesting thing, and it's going to become bumpy here, I think, over the next couple of years. Absolutely. Well said. I'm a little divided on the whole situation altogether because because we're in that generation of the changeover to this whole new uh, dynamic in terms of collectibles, right? We're very much so vinyl collectors, posters, tapes, CDs, guitar picks, whatever it is. It's always like an actual physical item. So going digital, like we were, we were part of that generation that transformed into recording a song on the radio onto a, a tape in your, you know, boom box to downloading on Napster to streaming on Spotify. Like we've seen it, we're in the middle of it. So we're, I feel like I'm getting pulled in two different directions. Like I like the old school element, but I'm very much so on board with the new element. A good example is, you know, I wear an iWatch or smartwatch, right? But I also have like a hemp fucking bracelet on the same arm so it's like i'm right in the middle like i don't really know what the fuck's going on i embrace the future but i'm clinging on to the past and uh nfts is just the antithesis of that like where do i stand i don't know i think nfts are interesting you're in the you're in the present tense that's where you are yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. so i'm gonna echo that and i'm gonna expose myself straight up i don't even know what i got with the our lady peace nft like (laughs) I know I got like the actual 
uh, album artwork in digital form. There was also mention of like a curated video they're going to make for me. There was also mention of a signed physical item. And I don't, I don't know. I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it for the pod. I'm going to buy it for the pod. Why not? (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's semi exciting because they're, whenever you give creatives a a new place to play, fun things happen. So I do think, I do think there's going to be some cool stuff that comes to this. I just don't know when or how long it's going to take. Like, if it's going to be, if there's going to be a lot of crap in there to begin with or, or like to, to get this thing rolling, because there is. I mean, th- there's always going to be imitators. There's always going to be more people that want to try to, you know, jump in on the craze and make, make a quick buck too. Like all that stuff comes with it. So it's exciting and semi-dangerous at the same time, right? Like I, I'm kind of feet firmly on either side of the fence or either side of the uh, the line. Yeah, it'll be It'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see, like at the at the end of this year, how many I own, how many I've bought or and or sold, for ones that I'm holding. You know, what's the value to me? All that fun stuff. So we'll 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 check back in in twelve months. I know I'll probably buy one too. And I keep I've been semi anti in it and the thought of it for a while. But I mean, if it's the way it's going, it's the way it's going. <laughs> like I gotta gotta get up, get up and go with it, or uh, be left behind and be mad at myself for being left behind. Yeah, you missed the bus. Just get back on, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, Tony, you're up. All right. So, I'm going to give you – I have a, a thought, but I'm going to give you a couple of um, – just a couple more albums that are coming out this year because we're kind of excited about them. Frank Turner's putting an album out nice. in early February called FTHC. Uh, Eddie Vedder's got an album out in early February called Earthling. Uh, the Gang of Youths have an album coming out, which I'm excited about, called Angel in Real Time. Drink. That's the only reason I wanted to tell you that, oh, because it in real time. Uh, Posthumous Fife Dog Records coming out then, uh, late March. Obviously, the four Weezer albums we just talked about. Maybe new Kendrick Lamar. Maybe Red Hot Chili Peppers, finally. That stuff is kind of exciting. What I wanted to get to, and looking for some of these things that were coming out this coming year, I noticed more bandy caps. And I had to share a couple with you. And I think 2022 might be the year of the bandy cap. I think we're going to continue to talk oh, about it. It's going to become a, a phrase that we start to hear places and we'll be like, hey, that was ours. <laughs> like We've been saying it for a year and a half now, <laughs> yeah. but I think it's a thing, right? So there's a band that's putting an album yeah. out called- uh, It's a la Bootylicious Zebrahead before Destiny's Child swiped it. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's just going <laughs> to be out there. So a couple bands that I saw today in my travels, Wet Leg. No way. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, is this a Hard wow. Times uh, article? No. And I, I heard a song by them, and I didn't hate it. But I was like, that's such a bad band name. I don't even know what it means. I don't know where it came from. I'm Again, I'm not, 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 not even done a ton of research on this. Just first thing you think of when you hear Wet Leg, weird band name. Oh, yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> How about Let's Eat Grandma? That's another <laughs> one? What? Yeah. Yep. Damn. They have an album coming out that's anticipated in 2022 as well. So that being said, the year of the bandy cap, you heard it here first because you did hear it here first <laughs> way back in the teens on this on this podcast. We came up with it. And if that thing takes off, if you're using that in your everyday vernacular in September, it came from us. <laughs> I love it because, I mean, let's think about this. As time goes by, naturally, it's going to be harder and har- harder to come up with good band names. But at the same front, don't let it you know, do a disservice to your music. I'm going to put my Nate hat on and talk about merchandise, you know. Am I going to wear a wet leg t-shirt? Fuck no. Are you going <laughs> to? Who's no. going to wear? 
I mean, do they have sweatpants that say wet leg down the leg? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, do, the, do the shirts say wet arm? Like, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I mean, I can only assume they're an indie act a la, you know, the Pitchfork crowd. Uh, and that's just based on the name. And that's a prime example why maybe you don't do that. But maybe they're great. I'm not going to. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. The name's <laughs> tough. The name's tough. Yeah, it's a tough hang. Yeah, don't let's, knock the hustle. Let's eat grandma. Like, <laughs> what it does remind me of is just fashion trends where cornier, uglier, throwback, it all comes into focus. Just go on Instagram, right? And just, or TikTok for that matter, and just look at what people are wearing. It's like almost like the uglier shit that you wear gets more attention, be, almost based on that kind of, uh, I don't know, satire of, oh yeah, I'm wearing an ugly sweater for Christmas. Oh, cool. Yeah. You're invited to this party now. Like it's, it's cool to be ugly or uncool. And so I guess band name kind of plays into that same realm, which is like, oh yeah, it's a shitty band name. I'll go check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or like it's intrigued you enough to listen to it. And maybe, maybe that's what they're going for a little bit. I mean, I, I heard it on another podcast that I listen to occasionally that does like an end of the year songs they liked from 2021 type deal and i sometimes like them i sometimes don't but it's always fun to like hear something that you're not used to listening to and that's what i did and i had this written down already and then they they mentioned it and played a song and i was like nerd voyance perfect all right that's another that's that's 2023's uh, word of the year but it's it's a thing man and like I don't get it, but at the same time, I kind of do because it does bring some attention to you as like, oh, if you check that band out, yeah, they have a weird name, but like that's why I checked them out, and they're actually not bad. So who knows? might work, but Bandicap, going to be a thing. All right, a few, few things before before Nate jumps in here. I'm looking at their Spotify. 1.1 million monthly listeners, so they're huge. Wow. They have wow. a single called Wet Dream. So, you know, have you heard that new song by Wet Leg called Wet Dream? <laughs> so then, let's take it a step further. And this plays into exactly what you're talking about, Tone. Fans also like, these are real band names, Sports Team, Yard Act, Dry Cleaning, Porridge Radio, Goat Girl, Do Nothing, <laughs> New Dad, Geese. So Goose was taken. So you go yeah. Geese. Is Goose just more people from the band Goose than the other geese? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. And, and again, I don't know the music. Obviously, they're huge. Kudos to them. It's working. Yeah. Sometimes we do date ourselves. We're like, oh, we actually, we're not cool. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> they're like Patio Slave? What Whoa. kind of name is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we. Uh, it, it reminds me of a joke that that we used to have before the the podcast happened where we'd see like bills announced at different places and we'd be like this this can't be real none of these band names make any sense none of these bands exist this is all we're living in a in a simulation this isn't real who the fuck is shovels and rope yeah exactly (laughs) it's so generational too it's like imagine like being like an 80 year old in like 1992 and being like Soundgarden. That's a fucking, that's, that's a, a great name. point. That's a, now it's legendary. Pearl so, Jam. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. What? Oh man. Bandicap year 2022. I think that's a good one. I like that for mine. Here's another one. Kind of going back to what you were saying, Tuan earlier. My third little bullet point here is, Big on, I'm going to drop some terminology here, D to C. 
which is direct to consumer. This is happening across all sectors. I've been watch watching this very carefully, uh, especially in the wine and spirits industry. There's a big paradigm shift. Drink, you said it earlier, Tuan, that <laughs> direct to consumer is starting to take over in, in all segments, all sectors. Things I never thought I would ever see. Cannabis, direct to consumer. You order it on your phone, it's delivered to your house. Alcohol. These are all very highly regulated industries. Alcohol. Uh, Bevmo is big out here. Total Wine. These big Walmart, Target-type liquor stores are delivering to your door so you can get a bottle of bourbon delivered to you. These are phenomenons that were somewhat taking form, but uh, during pandemic were very much proof of concept. So if that can happen with highly, highly regulated industries such as cannabis and alcohol, which I only bring those up because I've seen it as it's my profession come to fruition, I see that this is just trending forward. And you said NFTs earlier, and that's a good example of proof of concept in the music industry, but it continues, right? You got Cameo. I kind of put that down as a note as like the beta. But even before that, when you did meet and greets, you have the meet and greets or you have the ticket purchase and then you got VIP upgrade. That's another kind of direct-to-consumer upgrade. It's not through Ticketmaster. This is all in-house. It's going directly to the band. Limited items, whether it be vinyl, T-shirt. I mean, I do, did shows recently where you just get a laminate for the meet and greet, but it's another collectible. Looks like a backstage pass. It's not really a backstage pass. I feel like this trend is only going to continue. And we've seen it across the board, but um, you know, Cameo is really the tipping point where it's, hey, I'm not doing anything. If you want to pay me, I can jump on for five seconds and say happy birthday. I feel like that is not going anywhere and it's only going to compound from here. I think 2022 is going to see a lot of this in different areas and extending all the way to the, the tour. Like you want to meet the band? pay an extra five grand. We'll get you backstage. Now, now it's no longer, who do you know? Now it's just how much are you willing to pay? Can I pay enough from the pre-order to have Flea get, just hand deliver me the, the new Red Hot Chili Peppers vinyl? Because I'd do that. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> I'd make him fly out here. I'd tell him he'd have to wear a Celtics jersey. I'd, I'd go all in. I'm sensing a theme with a lot of our what we're anticipating, which is musicians going to take more power the musician themselves and it's all about getting the money it's totally. all about you know all the revenue that they were either missing out on or what they think they're worth right so it's you know like i said it's the wall street bets up uprising it's nate you said it's the the wine and spirits it's the nfts it's direct to consumer that all plays into the same exact theme and it's been going around for a while like meet and greet's been going on for a while but now there's tiers of meet and greets, right? It's, hey, you, you pay exactly. up, you can go sound check. You pay up, you get a photo, you know, all this stuff. And we're getting, and we talked about this weeks and weeks ago, but we're getting close to where a band just needs their own management. You know, they don't even need a label, you know, just toss it up on the platforms. They can, you know, outsource the vinyl. I mean, does Atlantic Records mean anything to gen z or whoever no it doesn't it doesn't mean anything they don't give a shit they just they just hit play on spotify it means nothing i mean even def jam you know it means something to us like we knew that era nowadays oh does is jay-z involved with that you know they have no idea no i think you're right i think it, it is kind of an overarching theme of all of this that we're going to see more artists taking the power back a little bit and it's already kind of started but i think 2022 will accelerate that especially if we're stuck you know for another however many months 
at home, not able to go to shows. They got to find a way to stay viable or that industry, many industries like it are, are going to collapse and we can't, I mean, I don't want music to go away. You guys want, nobody wants music, the music industry to go away. That needs to continue. So, I mean, we've been talking about it now for two years plus. So almost two years. So yeah, good stuff, man. And one last comment is I don't think a lot of these label contracts were written in a way that even knew this was coming. Like I bet when Nick Hexum does a cameo, he's getting that money. And like uh, Jamie Josta of Hatebreed and Vinnie Caruana of Movie Life, they're doing handwritten lyric sheets from their IGs for like, Josta was doing for like a hundred bucks. Handwritten lyrics, sign them to you, hundred bucks. I guarantee you there's nothing about that in their contract with whoever, whatever label they're on. They're getting that. And that's just a taste. And they want more of that. They want to taste more of it. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, it's intellectual property. It's not a handwritten note has no association to the label whatsoever. It's actually, that's the gray area, right? You're like, oh no, I wrote this on a napkin for a guy sitting next to me at the bar. Like there's no royalties that need to be paid out. This is not a physical product tied to Atlantic Records. So good point. And even to kind of rewind back to the whole meet and greet thing, we've all been to meet and greets. If you remember, you have CDs and they drill the barcode. So like there's no unit sold at all. So you're right. the, the band is doing a meet and greet out of good faith. So- I have a few of those drilled CDs myself. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Or Sharpie, right? There's a Sharpie yeah. across the barcode. Yeah. <laughs> or the hole punch. Yeah. That's a good place to wrap, right? Yeah. We are excited for 2022. We hope you are too. We hope things uh, can come back to a little bit more normalcy maybe in the next few weeks and months. And uh, we'll be back out there seeing shows again and the warm weather and having a good time. But in the meantime, we're going to, talk about it here and have people on that that are in it and uh try to get their perspective on things because we love doing that too so thank you all for listening check us out at potty slave on twitter instagram tiktok email us potty slave podcast gmail.com go to potty slave.com and check out the awesome new website that Juan has put together for us yeah and all that fun stuff man we're, we're everywhere let us know your predictions we are out on a 22 awesome thanks nerds let me know or let us know where you uh placed your money on these bets these uh nerd nerd street bets and uh, we'll see you next week cheers peace pod heads